Thank you so much for joining us for our Word of the Day. This morning as we continue through the Scriptures, we're going to come to the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is it's one of my favorite books of the, of the Old Testament. It's a beautiful story of God's grace and God's redemption. Now, when you're reading Scripture, it's important that you understand the context. You always have to take the Bible in context. If you take it out of context, then you we get a lot of false teachings, a lot of legalism, and that's where we get into trouble when we start taking Scripture out of context. So when you read Scripture, take it in context, and you have to understand who is writing, who they're writing to, what are they trying to convey to the listener. And so Ruth was written by the prophet Samuel after the events of the book of Judges. Now, it's a history book. It tells a story of the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's a history story, but it's written in the, the theme of a love story. And so when Samuel is writing this book, he's writing it to Jewish readers, and he's writing it as a love ballad or a love story, an epic love story to the nation of Israel for them to read and understand it as a love story. So when you're reading this, kind of put yourself in that mindset. Now, the book of Ruth takes place during the end of the book of Judges, right around and right after the judging of Samson. And if you remember, the book of Judges was the darkest time in the history of the nation of Israel, and Samson was the, the worst judge by far, very corrupt, very self-centered and prideful and just sinful. And after the book of, of Judges, they get into the time of kings, but during Samson's rule and right after, it's just, it's a terrible story. Some of the worst stories in the book of Judges occur after Samson's rule, and that's when the book of Ruth occurs. Now, in the book of Ruth, there's a famine in the nation of Israel, specifically in Bethlehem, which is ironic because Bethlehem means house of bread. So during this famine, there's a, a Israelite man named Elimelech, and he takes his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, and he leaves Bethlehem because of the famine, and he goes to the land of Moab. There's no evidence God told him to do this. Uh, this was him thinking this was best for his family, and you understand why. You know, as a father, when you know there's, there's a rough patch in your area, maybe there's unemployment or difficulty, you, you do whatever you have to do to provide for your family, and that's what he was doing. There was a famine in Bethlehem, so he left, but he went to Moab. And Moab was a land filled with, obviously, the Moabite people, but they were considered a cursed people. The Moabs were the, the offspring of the adulterous and the incestuous affair that Lot had with his daughter, and that, that, that affair, that incestuous act, brought forth the Moabite people, and during the the wilderness, the Moabites were just constantly battling and constantly being a thorn in the flesh of Israel, not necessarily just fighting them, but the Israelite would, men would marry the Moabite women and they would kind of take them into idolatry. And at one point, God killed over 23,000 Israelites because they had commingled and married these Moabite women. And they were, the Israelites were forbidden to have anything to do with the Moabites. As a matter of fact, God said no Moabite could enter the congregation of the Lord for 10 generations. So they were a cursed people. They were a rejected people. They were a forbidden people. And Elimelech takes his family to the land of Moab. While he's there, 
His two sons marry Moabite women, forbidden by the law of God, but they do it anyway. And eventually, Elimelech and his two sons die, leaving Naomi, a widow with no son. She's an older woman now, and so she has no children to watch over her in her old age. Her sons are dead. She has no husband to provide for her. Her husband is dead. And she decides to go back to Bethlehem, to go back to Israel. And she decides to go back not because she thinks that's what God wants her to do and she's trying to repent, but she heard the famine's over, there's, there's bread in the land, so she decides to go back home. And as she's going, she looks at her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, and tells them to go home. She releases them of staying with her, which traditionally... Uh, if a son died and your husband died and you still had the, the family around, you would have to stay with the mother and kind of take care of her and watch after her, but also wait for her to have other children or wait for another son to grow up for you to marry. And so Naomi says, look, I'm too old to have kids. There's no sense in you coming back to Bethlehem to die with me. You stay here, remarry someone else, start your life over, and you'll be fine. And that was that was unheard of, but she was releasing them of the burden to stay with her. Now, Orpah, she cries, but she hugs Naomi, hugs Ruth, and goes home. But Ruth refuses to go. And look what Ruth says in verse number 16, chapter 1. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Now this is huge right here. Uh, Naomi, Ruth doesn't just tell Naomi, hey, you know what, I'll stick with you. It's no big deal. I don't care. I love you. I want to be with you. Uh, she for, forsakes everything from her past life. Her family, she still has mom and dad at home. She still has brothers and sisters. She has an opportunity to go home and start her life over. But she chooses to stay with Ruth, but it's more than, or she chooses to stay with Naomi, but it's more than just staying with Naomi. She says, your God will be my God. And she uses the name of the Lord. She uses the word Yahweh. She is rejecting her false gods. She is rejecting her false idols. And she is accepting God as her, her one and only God. She is accepting God as her Savior. And going back with Naomi. And that's a huge, huge thing. So they go back home, and when Naomi gets home, people are excited to see her and say, hey, this is Naomi. Now, Naomi's name means pleasant. She says, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Because God has been bad to me. God has mistreated me. Now, God's never mistreated her. She has reaped what she's sown. She is suffering the consequences of her and her husband's decisions and their actions. So it's not God punishing her. It is the consequences of her actions, but she's blaming God for this. Well, they get back home. They have no money. They have no hope. They have no prospects. And during this time, uh, they happen, and this is, this is what is interesting in the book of Ruth. It says it many times. It just so happened. It's, it's like, it's kind of a... A, a, a ironic statement where Samuel's saying, well, it just so happened that this happened. And, and he's showing that it's no coincidence. There is no coincidence with God. But it just so happened that they got home during the barley harvest. And during the barley harvest, the harvesters were commanded by God to 
not take everything in the harvest, not to go through and make sure they took everything, but just to go through one time, get as much as they could. Don't be lazy about it, but don't go through two or three or four times to make sure you got everything. Leave some grain or leave some, some of the crop behind for the poor, that they could come through after the reapers, and they could gather up what was left, and they could survive. It was a way to take care of the poor. And so they get home right during the barley harvest, just so happens, and so Ruth decides to go out and gather some grain, gather some food for her and Naomi so they, they survive and they don't starve to death. And the Bible says she just so happens to land upon the field of a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz was a distant relative of Naomi. That's important, again, in this love story because during this time, if this situation occurred where a family was wiped out, the, the son died, the husband died, there was no one to keep the name going, then what was known as a kinsman redeemer would come in, would purchase their land and their property, and would marry any of the women, the, the wives, the widows, to keep the name of that person going, to make sure that their land and their name continued. And so it had to be a relative. And Boaz just so happens to be a distant relative. And Ruth just so happens to land on his field. Now, Boaz is a rich man. Uh, he's a wealthy man. Uh, he doesn't really live in the area, but he just so happens to come down to check on his harvest and check on the work that's going on. And he just so happens to see Ruth. And he sees her in the field and he asks the people about, about her. He goes, hey, who's this woman uh, reaping in the field? Just not really trying to be angry, just like, hey, who is this? And they tell him, say, this is the Moabite woman that came back with Naomi. So we know a few things about her right now. He knows, he knows she's a widow. He knows she's poor. He knows she has no hope. And she, he knows she's a Moabite. She's a forbidden woman. She is what most people would reject in society. In this culture, if you were a Moabite living in Jerusalem or living in, in Israel, you were a slave, you were a servant. But he doesn't treat her that way. He tells his servant, says, be good to her. He tells her, he goes, hey, you keep reaping in my fields. I've told my men to not mess with you. I've told my men that if you get thirsty, that they're to draw water for you, which was never done for a woman, let alone a Moabite woman. I've told them to make sure that you're cared for. You just stay here. He is treating her like family. He is treating her better than most people would. He hasn't revealed to her who he is. He just, he's just a nice guy being really good to her. She goes home and she tells Naomi, uh, tells Ruth what, or tells Naomi what's going on. And Naomi, she knows that Boaz is a relative. She knows that there's a potential here for a relationship. There's a potential for hope for them. So we'll get into it tomorrow, what, what happens there. But I want to show you what Boaz tells Ruth, because she talks to him, and she asks him, says, why are you being so good to me? Look what she says. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and thy land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not henceforth. So she goes to Boaz and says, why are you being so good to me? Why are you treating me like this? I don't deserve this. 
And he says, I've heard about how good you've been to Naomi. He doesn't tell her that he's related to Naomi. He doesn't tell her anything about that. He just says, I've heard how good you have treated your mother-in-law, and I want to repay that. Now, there's a couple things we see in this story. We don't see it fully shaping up yet. The reader does. The reader knows what's going on, but right now Ruth doesn't have any idea what's going on. But we see God working in the background in her pain to work it out for her good. The end of the story is incredible. We're going to get that tomorrow. But we see God, when he doesn't seem to be doing anything, we see God working this pain, this hurt, this heartache, this difficult time. He is working it out for Ruth and Naomi's good. And we'll see tomorrow how he works it out for our good as well. But it just tells us what Bible says in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those that love God. Now, God may have you in a situation right now where you don't understand what's going on. You may be in pain. You may be in a difficult situation. You may be confused or hurting and not know what's going on. But we can take faith and know that even if we don't see God working directly, God is always working in our story. God is always working in our pain to work it out for our good and for his glory. We can take faith in that. Thanks so much for joining us for our Word of the Day. Be back here tomorrow. We're going to close out the book of Ruth. It's a wonderful ending, and I can't wait to get to it. Have a blessed day.